CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to yet another Inside Carolina Live Reaction Podcast. We had Jason Staples on here. I'm not sure where he went. I'm Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, and Congruity. Check out Congruity for all your HR needs, and check out Johnny T-Shirt for all your swag needs, North Carolina Shout out to the 250-plus folks that are already with us. Joined by Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, and Greg Barnes. Jeff Collins, former Georgia Tech head coach, hired as North Carolina's defensive coordinator to replace Gene Chizik. Buck, you're the man. I'm going to you first. Your overall thoughts here as we get into it. Yeah, I don't know that I should be first on this, uh, but I'll, I'll just give you a couple of thoughts off the top of my head is. Um, one, uh, and I saw this on the message board, and I totally agree with it because you can you can't watch anything of uh, Jeff Collins and and when he speaks without a knowing he's going to win the press conference. Mark got down. Um, the that that you put that in the bank. And uh, as far as Tommy is concerned, um, when you start attending uh, press conferences with uh, Collins and the DC speak, um, you will, uh, go through some sort of cosmic shock, uh, going from Gene Chizik, uh, to Jeff Collins. They could not be any more different. Uh, Collins is a mile a minute speaker. He's funny. He's engaging. Uh, you know, I guess everybody has different personalities of people that they, you know, uh, find more appealing to them than others. And I, I just could, I had a really difficult time warming up to Gene Chizik. You know, it, it was like, uh, hearing him talk was like going to Sunday school. Uh, you know, it was so boring and, um, he was, he was talking to, speaking to rooms of people as if, uh, he was kind of doing them a favor being there and, uh, you know, that, uh, that's how you should treat it and just measured every word, you know, he thought before he said anything, very careful about what he said and how he said it. Collins is like got diarrhea of the mouth. Uh, <laughs> he says anything and everything that comes to his mind. And you will just love it. You'll love listening to him talk. Uh, so that's kind of uh, just uh, the initial impression that I have. There's other stuff we can, you know, that I feel capable of talking about as far as his defenses are go. Um, but uh, it, it's be prepared for completely complete culture shock when uh, you go to that press conference and he's introduced. So uh, if case folks are watching this, um, we were all in various states of either lunch or uh, daytime activities. Jason is on the road. So as right now, Jason has no, no, there he is. So this is live, live reaction folks. And it is legitimately live. Greg, I'm going to come to you first though, because I want to hear your take. You've been doing this for a long time, covering a bunch of different people. And you were on the beat when Collins was at Georgia Tech. Let's get in it. What saith Greg? Well, I, I kind of like the hire, um, but let me let me kind of follow up on some things that, that Buck said since he talked about Gene Chizik. Um, 
when when Mac and Jay Bateman decided to part ways after the Mayo Bowl in, in 2021, uh, they just came to a, a disagreement. And I don't think the plan was for Jay to leave that year. And after some conversations after the bowl game, they kind of reached an impasse. And at that point in time, Mac had to had to make a change. And Mac has, has always kind of talked about wanting to be aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. I think a lot of North Carolina fans who were around back in the uh, 90s remembered, you know, the conversation that Mac had with Torbush. I guess it was before the 95 season, maybe after the 95 season, where he said, look, we're going to have to ramp it up here if, if this is going to work. And Torbush did, and what followed were, were two of the best defensive years in, in North Carolina football history. That's not who Chiswick is. Um, <laughs> and so there was this weird situation where, where Mac decided to go back to the old friend well, and he, and he brought in Gene. Um, and everybody knew exactly how Gene's defense looked in 15 and 16, bend but don't break. Uh, he had one foot out the door the whole time due to family situations, so he kind of burned some bridges on his way out in 2016. So that was a factor into it. Um, and it just didn't seem like a, a good fit. It seemed lazy, maybe a little harsh, but it seemed very easy. Um, and just kind of going back, say, hey, we, we had a lot of success together, you know, 20 years ago. Let's try to try to do it again. Let's get the boys back together. And it just didn't work. And so now Mac has brought in Jeff Collins. We can dive into all this, but I just want to highlight some differences. Uh, in four years under Gene Chizik, North Carolina averaged 63.8 tackles for loss per season. Uh, Jeff Collins' last six years as defensive coordinator, uh, four of which, of course, with Mississippi State with Dan Mullen, and then two with McElwain at, at Florida. His defenses averaged 82.3 tackles for loss per season. So about 20 more, 25% more uh, per year. That is a significant boost. <laughs> we can talk about the aggressiveness that Jeff Collins employs, but that gets more into what Mac has talked about with wanting to be more aggressive. So from that standpoint alone, I think this is a, a much improved uh, hire. It is. Uh, it's interesting. You know, it's like, I want to go fast. I want to go fast. So what kind of car did you get? I got a Prius. <laughs> and it, that's what it felt like a couple of years ago. Jason, get in. You are, <laughs> you are, <laughs> you are killing me. You are interesting. Uh, uh, you are itching to get in here. Um, I, I do find it interesting, though, the, the reactions from the fan base, both on Inside Carolina and on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, as anybody should know by now, and, I, and I'm not preaching to the choir, I'm just saying from my experience, if you expect it to be a certain way, because it was a certain way somewhere else, and you expect it to be the same at Carolina, it's just not. It's not going to be, for better or for worse. Um, since we're talking about friend wells and marriages. Jason, get in your thoughts on the hire of Jeff Collins. Yeah, I'm still sort of processing the whole thing. Um, and, I, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to jump to conclusions one way or another. Uh, but, you know, I think this is actually a pretty good hire. I mean, in all honesty, um, in terms of what Carolina – actually needs at the on the defensive side and you know you think about what i what i said in the prior oh i see it's given a thumbs up here just because of my hand gesture there um but uh the what i said in in the previous in our last discussion uh what what they what we what they would need to hire in a coordinator was they needed somebody who would change the room when they walked in who could change the mentality of the defensive side, who could have the gravitas to, you know, take over that side of the ball entirely, and then would be able to walk in and tell his guys, we're going to play a more physical brand of football. Uh, and also somebody who, you know, you could see as a head coach type. And honestly, I mean, it's not who I was thinking of. Uh, and I didn't have a specific person in mind when I, when I said all that, but you could make the argument that Jeff Collins checks all those boxes. Uh, now 
is that a guarantee that it's going to work? No, I don't think so. But uh, I do think that there that that people who are looking at this hire and seeing Jeff Collins, the head coach, and the and the lack of success that he had as a head coach at Georgia Tech, uh, aren't really seeing the full picture. Because I mean, for one thing, head coach and coordinator are very different. Uh, jobs and and they carry very different skill sets especially defensive coordinator uh and if you look at his last couple stops as a defensive coordinator two years at florida where i got to see those defenses and and break those down in some detail uh and then previous to that at mississippi state those were really productive defenses and you think about what uh what both buck and and greg said i mean you, you both kind of uh anticipated what i've was going to say in terms of leadoff of if you wanted to hire the, the polar opposite of Gene Chiswick, you just did. I mean, in terms of not just personality and the way that things are going to work in the, in, in Buck, you actually, the first thing I was going to say if I was called on first was, well, this guy's definitely going to win that opening press conference. Uh, and you, you, that was the first thing you said. I mean, we're all agreed there. Uh, but this is a guy who, if I kind of want to think, if I kind of want to give a picture of, of what to expect on the defensive side as a coordinator, he is to a defensive coordinator a lot of what Larry Fedora is to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, think about what the response is. It's one thing to hire Fedora as a head coach, and actually he had success as a head coach at North Carolina before you know things kind of fell apart without a quarterback. But you're, you're basically hiring a defensive version of Larry Fedora on defense and a guy with a track record that's been pretty good on defense, but a guy who, you know, when he was at Mississippi state and at Florida, he kept a 24 pack of, uh, of Mountain Dew under his, under his desk. He drank, I think he was estimating seven of them per day, you know, a caffeine addled, you know, hype man who is going to award points for to uh, each play on his defenses, when he coordinated his defenses at at at, uh, at Florida and at and at Mississippi State, he picked out the guy on that play who had the, who played with the most juice. That's the guy that he's going to get extra point, get juice points for for high effort on every play, and that's just the way he wants to coach. Is he's of the view that defense technique and all is important, but what matters most is aggression, passion and play downhill and just hit somebody. And, you know, it's been a long time since that mentality has been in, been at North Carolina. Now I have my concerns in terms of the overall, uh, you still have to play with good fundamentals and good technique. And that's going to have to come from the, from the position coaches around him. And he's going to have to be super detailed uh, to make sure that that's happening. But in terms of, the kind of aggression, physicality, the emphasis on just high energy and playing that way on that side of the ball. I mean, Collins has done that and he's proven that at different spots. So in that sense, I think this is, this makes sense as a hire. Buck, you know, I always come to Jason Staples and Greg Barnes and you to tell me how to feel. And right now, just from what Jason was talking about, what Greg was talking about, what you sort of talked about, I kind of like it. But the problem is, is winning press conferences doesn't do jack on the football field. Your thoughts there. I agree that people that are upset about this hire are not feeling this hire or basing that on his Georgia Tech stint, which I would remind people of what his Georgia Tech teams did to North Carolina as well. But I can but, guarantee you that's one of the reasons he got hired is because of the kind of pressure that those defenses were able to apply to the North Carolina offense. Exactly. And when you're when you're evaluating guys that you want to hire, one of the first things you do as a coach is who gave me trouble. There it is, Buck. You're let's go a little deeper on Collins as a defensive coordinator. Collins as a fit in Chapel Hill, because if he's as opposite as it was, that's gonna be that apple cart getting upset and may get some people on edge and make people uncomfortable, which I don't think is a bad thing in Chapel Hill. There needs to be some discomfort. You know, there there are certain things about uh, Jeff Collins' defenses that are consistent um, that uh, Jason brought up. Their aggressiveness, uh, he, he, he wants to create mayhem, uh, you know, on the football field. That's what he's after. Um, 
He called and himself he, the Minister of Mayhem as a defensive coordinator. That was his nickname. Yeah, that's what he wants to do is to create mayhem. <laughs> and, you know, he's, you know, we talked about this when uh, Gene Chizik uh, got his walking papers uh, that, you know, Gene Chizik's style defense was, uh, you know, keep the ball in front of you, make the offense, make a mistake, you know, play it, uh, you know, force the, the, the offense to drive the ball, you know, 14 plays to score. They'll screw up sooner or later, that kind of thing. But Ben, don't break defense. No need to elaborate there. We all know what we're talking about. Well, on the face of it, he is the total opposite of that. He's a completely not that guy. He he wants to go get the ball, and uh, he wants to be aggressive. He wants to sack people. He wants to get tackles for loss, as Greg was talking about. But um, in terms of the fit, he's also a guy that, while he maintains that physical and aggressive style on defense, he can choose different ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he he will, you know, in some some of the defenses that he had, even at the same schools, the middle of the field will be closed 65% of the time. That's the kind of defense they play, middle of the field closed. The next year, it might be 50% middle of the field open. It just depended upon his personnel and what he could do with it. Um you know, he will come across, he'll, he'll be, a, you know, like we talked about winning the press conference. Um, you know, he'll do that. And he'll, he'll come across as a, a personable, funny, um, winning personality kind of guy. But underneath all of that, that, you know, he reminds me of me, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> This behind is, that, uh, this is off the rails. Behind that, behind that facade, um, of uh, you know, like tr- being likable guy, underneath he's very cerebral. He's a very cerebral guy. He he studies the art of playing defense. I mean, he actually studies art a little bit. That that's his that's his whole uh, has has been his whole gig all these years for 24 years or so he's been calling defenses um and to to a point you know you're talking about uh being like uh you know larry fedora uh in a sense on the defensive side of the ball well um guess who gives uh collins a call when he's at florida wanting him to join him uh and be his defensive coordinator, Mike Leach, at Washington State. And uh, they called and talked a bunch of times, had a lot of conversations. And uh, Mike Leach told uh, told Collins that, you know, all I want you to do, you're the defensive coordinator, all, all I want you to do is give me the ball back. And I don't much care how you do it. You can – get a three and out, you can get a turnover, or you can let the other guy score real quick. However you want to do it. That that's <laughs> so Mike This Leach. is this is Mike Leach, you know, and and uh Collins is going, yeah, uh, three and out, yeah, turnover, yeah, let him score quickly. He said, Whoa, back up coach. <laughs> that, that that third part is not where I want to go here. You know, the, the, let him score quick, that's that's not who I am. And you know, underneath all of uh, the, uh, you know, the sort of what, how he talks is underneath, he really knows what he's talking about. You know, he he studies the game of football. And, uh, you know, without uh, knowing more about him, it's impossible to judge him at this juncture. Give yourself a chance to know who this guy is and, and take it from there. I, I think he will make the most out of the personnel that North Carolina has because he's going to put them in those, you know, he's going to look at his personnel and say, hey, is this a middle of the field close group or middle of the field open group? You know, how am I well, going to he, he go even plays. This? He's even played, you know, different 
even in odd fronts. I mean, he'll, he'll hybridize up front and, and, you know, interesting thing is there's some Jay Bateman to him in terms of some of what he does in terms of personnel and scheme. I mean, uh, that was kind of chuckling to myself that, you know, Mac in some ways hired a, uh, uh, hired a, uh, a caffeine addled Jay Bateman with this one. Um, but you know, it's, a. uh, uh, uh but with head coaching experience and some other things there. So yeah, um, a lot lot there. Um, uh, By the way, I also, in my time, you know, spending time looking at, at, uh, at recruiting, I concluded a couple of two or three years ago, and I could dig a couple tweets out on this, that uh, I came to the conclusion that that Georgia tech staff under Collins, they were actually really good evaluators. Uh, I thought I thought Collins was a good evaluator of defensive talent in particular, but you know they're the guys that uh, they found like Jameer Gibbs, right? They they found a few guys that uh, that Jeff were under Sims. the radar. Yeah, Jeff. Well, Jeff Sims was not a good evaluation, <laughs> but that was the first guy that they could get as a, a four star quarterback on that in that first recruiting class that they had. Uh, but. Uh, they didn't, and they didn't develop Jeff very well at all. I thought their, I thought their offensive development and all of that as a staff was very poor, and that's what got him fired. But I thought they did a really good job of identifying talent at Georgia Tech, particularly on the defensive side, and a lot of that comes from him. I mean, I think he's a good evaluator. You know, so we've we're... talked. Oh, let me jump in for a second, Tom, if you don't mind. Yeah, 100%. I'll be brief. I'll be brief. No, you won't. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you know what? I'm observing dryuary, so it's not that. Uh, well, I am uh, not. So, uh, yeah, I know you're not. You were in the middle Every of Margaritaville. You know? uh, it's Friday somewhere. He was he was the original. We talk about this now some. Uh, the guys like Pat Sutis and uh, Billy High, those guys, he was the prototype. He was the original uh at Suddy's, Billy High, for Alabama and Nick Saban. You know, uh, you talk about the staffs that he's been on. He cut his teeth at Alabama being an evaluator for um, Nick Saban and, and doing for Alabama what Pat Suddis is doing for North Carolina. So uh, I think he's a, a fairly good evaluator of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Brief. Yes, and it's interesting – you know, somebody said if Carolina wants to compete with SEC schools, need to hire SEC coaches. And I see the chat has corrected it. Um, of course, Collins cut his teeth, as you said, but that way, but also at Mississippi State, Florida. Greg, get in here on um, style of defense. People are saying, is it three fours? Is it four threes? Four two yes. five personality? Yes. All that. Let's yes. talk. <laughs> let's let's talk about it, Greg, and, and bring some of the stats to the table that I know you're. You, you are the stat man. Well, a couple of things here. Um, number one, you, you mentioned Pat Suttis. Obviously, that's the connection that kind of paved the way. Pat was with Jeff since 2019 until 2022. Um, and so Pat is Mac's right-hand man. He was Jeff's right-hand man. So that, that allows for a pretty easy transition. Um, and Mac is very much about having some connection to his hires. Typically, is at a personal level. Uh, but if you've got somebody you really trust on staff, and we've seen him do it with some of his assistants as well. So that's kind of your uh, how you pave the way there. Um, let me say this, and I'll kind of get into some of the specifics. I, I like the idea about Larry Fedora, and I'll explain why. But if you look at the six defenses that Jeff coached, four at Mississippi State, two at Florida from 2011, 2016, uh, all six of those defenses – ranked top 25 or better in F plus and F plus is just FEI, which is per possession scoring advantage. And then SP plus, which is Bill Connolly's. He looks more at efficiency and those types of things. Those are kind of the, the two main advanced metrics. So F plus is a combination of those top 25 in all six years. Um, the last time North Carolina had a top 25 defense in F plus was 2009. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago in the last decade. Carolina has had one ranked, um, 
what was that number at? I think one ranked in the top 70. That was Jay's first year, right? Jay's first year. So number 68, I think. Yeah. Hold, yes. hold on. Hold on. Just, I want people to understand that in a decade, Carolina's had what defensively one in the top 70. I believe yeah. that's what it is. Um, yeah. I think it was number 68. Yeah. Jay's in 2019. Um, if I've got, I've got a bunch of things written down right here. I believe that is correct. So that's, that's kind of where North Carolina has been. You know, a top 50 offense just has not existed in North Carolina. Um, really since the Butch days and Jeff for sure knows how to do that. People were asking about play calling. Jeff tried to call plays when he first took the temple job, which I guess was in 2017. Said it was too much because you have to do the, you have to be aware of what's going on offensively and special teams and kissing babies and all those things. So he gave it up after that. So it's really just, hard to call plays as a defensive coordinator. It's much easier as an offensive guy. I, I, I could, could only imagine. Um, and so he stepped off of that. Now, this is where the Larry Fedora part of it comes into play. Larry caught a lot of flack in his last couple of years after Seth Luttrell left because of the three-headed monster and that it was Larry and, and Heckendorf and uh, Cap were all kind of working together to call the offense. And people didn't like that. Well, what Larry did is they really worked up all their game plans and all their schemes during the week so that when you got to game day, you you had, you know, on third and short, you had, well, these couple of plays that you can call from. Third and long, these couple of plays. You know, you had your scripted plays to start the game. So Larry's point was always like, look, you know, we're, we're teaching these kids kind of what we want to do given what the, the defense gives us, and that's why you have a lot of RPOs and zone reads. Um, and it makes calling plays on game day not easy, but kind of easy. It's not the whole mad scientist John Shoup up in the press box calling plays. Well, with Butch Davis and again with Gene Chizik, they kind of came up in the Tampa 2, cover 2 looks. We had a little bit more specific calls underneath those, those zone coverages. And what Jeff Collins started to do, and he's kind of not the first wave of it, but um, Bud Foster at Virginia Tech, I, I would assume he's one of the guys that kind of ushered it in however many years ago. But what Jeff does is he sits down in the offseason with his staff, and they look at all these different formations from all these different teams around the country running – spreads and teams that may be on the schedule for the next year. And they get crazy specific about where people are. Like, is the halfback lined up beside the quarterback? Is he lined up a little bit closer to the tackle than right beside the quarterback? Are they in the pistol? What's the sniffer doing? Is the tight end on the line of scrimmage? Is he detached? Is he a step back? Are they running trips most of the time? All these different things are what they're looking at. And so the idea is not so much kind of to the aggression point that, that Jason made. It's not so much you're coaching defense. You're coaching offense to these guys. Mm -hmm. so there are a lot of automatic fronts and automatic coverages when the kids go on the field and they're saying, okay, well, the, uh, you know, the tight ends, he's attached, line of scrimmage. Well, they know exactly when they see that, what kind of front they need to line up in. And if there are three, you know, if there's trips off to the left, well, guess what? They have an idea of what's going to take place. And a lot of times you're going to have the weak side safety is going to roll over, and then you're going to have a weak side corner is going to drop back, and maybe those are your two deep safety guys, even though one's technically a corner. You're, you're making all these calls on the fly, and the reason you can do that, and Bud Foster did it for years, is because throughout the course of the year, in the spring and in the summer, and then, of course, during game week, you're re-emphasizing to your guys, hey, when you take the field and this guy's lined up here, this is likely what they're going to be doing. You know, is the guard leaning back in his stance a little bit? Well, he might be pulling. And all these little things they're looking at and trying to communicate. And people say, wow, that's a lot of stuff to know. Not really. Because if you're training it over the course of an entire year and stacking it upon years, you have a pretty good idea of what these things look like. And then you can make calls 
You're the defensive end makes the call, the tackle makes the call, the linebacker makes the call, the safety makes the call. And it's very rapid fire, and you can operate like that. And so when you, Jeff's been asked about uh, not being a DC anymore in terms of play play call, and he's like, yeah, it's really not that big of a deal because we're doing a lot of the stuff in the offseason and during game week. So by the time we get on the field game day, yeah, you know, I'm going to be involved in some some specialty plays, right? Like on third and short or goal line or whatever. But for the most part, our guys know what's expected of them. And that's why they can play with aggression because they're not having to think as much. They're saying, okay, well, this guy's doing this. This guy's doing this. I need to be here. And it's that quick. And that's one of the reasons he's had a lot of success coaching defense. It's interesting, Jason, you and I were talking and Buck, I want to get you back in as well. It was like when Carolina went for two against Clemson back in 2019, Venables knew it and knew the play by the way everybody was lined up, how everybody was situated and, and in their stances and all that stuff. Clemson also is one of the best uh, signal, signal stealing schools in, in the country for about 10 years. Stay with me now. The point the point is, is they teach these things better than Carolina's been at it. So, but what do you expect? What, what, as somebody that has watched repeatedly and quite frankly has done what we're doing today repeatedly over the last 20 plus years of inside Carolina, what do you expect to see from this defense? And what is a reasonable expectation going forward? That's not too bad a loaded question. Well, no. And, and, uh, to take a more serious note, the um, here's what I see to be the potential um, for the defense in this on this staff as, as as him being a member of the staff. I think that what has been lacking in many occasions, on many in many cases at North Carolina, is synergy between the offense and the defense. And, you know, how do we, how we play offense factors in majorly how you're going to play defense. How you approach defense is going to affect how you play offense. Um, like we were talking about, and you know, I'm doing some research on, you know, different uh, coordinators. Well, and we talked about this at the last podcast. If you're the defensive coordinator at Minnesota, the odds are pretty good you're going to have put up some pretty good defensive <laughs> stats, right? If you're at Wisconsin, and you know, I'm not saying this to uh, down. Jim Leonard at all or make light of what he can accomplish as a defensive coordinator. I think he's excellent, amazing defensive coordinator. But those guys at Wisconsin were running the ball like 300 yards a game. I mean, they were one or two in the Big Ten every year that Jim Leonard was there. And when you've got an offense that can pound the ball and keep your defense off the field, there's not much chance for an offense to roll up a lot of yards on you. So the trick for Jeff Collins, in conjunction with Chip Lindsey, is to develop a plan that works together with each other. You, you know, that, I think, is the real issue here, and the real question is to develop that synergy just, that's just never been there. Gene Chiswick would be never be satisfied being the defensive coordinator for Phil Longo for any length of time, right? I mean, that's just not a match made in heaven right there. And to some extent, neither is Gene Chiswick and, and Chip Lindsay. So, um, Chiswick couldn't, I think, couldn't get along with Gus Malzahn on his staff down at Auburn for similar reasons. So I think this alignment of staff members, uh, Lindsey and Chiswick, uh, Chiswick gone, bring in uh, Collins. And, and I think Collins knows and understands how important synergy is. And so 
that that's going to determine how well this defense functions and how well um, the offense functions as a unit. And I, I think their, the potential is there for it to work pretty well. But get back, I mean, excuse me, Greg, get back in here on those stats earlier. Somebody was pointing out something in the chat. Yeah, I got my stats mixed up there. The one I was going for was tackles for loss. The only time Carolina has had more than 80 over the past decade was in 2019, Jay's first year. Um, they have not had top 25 F plus since 2009, as we highlighted. Um, and then if you look at the past uh, under Mac 2.0, they were 58th in FEI in 2019, 88th in 2020, 97th in 21, 118th in 22, which is one of the worst defenses that Carolina has, has fielded in the modern era. Um, and then this year they were 77th. So a long, a long way from what Jeff Collins was putting on the field in his time in Starkville and Gainesville. So, Jason, I'm coming to you, but let me talk about Johnny T-shirt right fast. Johnny mm. T-shirt on Franklin Street, johnnytshirt.com. Of course, you got to take care of them. There's 683 people in the chat right now. If everybody ordered some swag from Johnny T-shirt, you know how huge that would be for a locally owned business? I got Check this them. hat from Johnny T-shirt. Yeah, there you go. You can get a Buck Sanders special from Johnny T-shirt, and they literally have everything you could ever want if you're a Carolina fan. And if you're watching this, unless you're one of those random people that pull for other teams that like to hear us talk, you're a North Carolina <laughs> fan, <laughs> get in Johnny T-shirt and, and get some swag either online. And also, if you're a small business owner, go to congruityhr.com, front slash Tar Heels, get a free assessment for how they can help your business. They grew their business from a locally North Carolina-based company to a national brand they can do the same for your small to mid-sized business as well check them out at congruity sponsors both sponsors what's up y'all this is four-time nba champ andre iguodala yo and this is his best friend the ohio state legend evan marcel turner the first every wednesday we drop a new episode on our show point four we're talking basketball business and all the culture in between from locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All-Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Jason, $64,000 question here, and we can all talk about this, is how does North Carolina's personnel as it's currently constituted fit into what Jeff Collins wants to do and how easy of a transition is that? We heard the, the term plug and play um, during this search a little bit. How does what Carolina has fit to what he wants to do? Well, it's a good question because I think exactly what Carolina has is still the, – the weird thing about the portal era is it's still not 100% determined what he's going to have. Um I'll say this. I think Collins has been over his career pretty flexible in his use of different different personnel at different places. He's been pretty good at at basically establishing like okay, I got that guy who can cover over there. That guy I got to protect. You know, this guy can rush the passer. This guy really can't do that that much and he he does a good job. I mean, in in sort of my past evaluation there, I, I think he's done a pretty good job of putting guys in position to ask them to do what they, what they do well and not ask them to do a bunch that they don't do well. Um, my concern is not so much about fit with him because I think he, he can actually do a lot with a lot of different types of configurations. My concern is, is that I think the overall level of talent has, uh, you know, for a while it was really climbing on campus. And I think the last couple years, 
there's there's a little bit less depth of talent on the defensive side than there was say two years ago when when gene chiswick took over uh so i mean do do i think he's going to be able to take over and, and turn this into a top 15 defense in year one Pro- probably not I, I would bet against that uh do i think he the def- he that there's personnel on this roster for the defense to be significantly improved in year one under Jeff Collins? I think so. Uh, They're going to need to figure out the linebacker position. They're going to need to get some things taken care of on the, on the defensive line. I mean, one of the things about Jeff Collins is he is going to blitz. He's going to bring, he's going to bring pressure and he's going to get, he's going to turn that defensive line loose. He wants those guys just racing around the backfield. And we've not seen anything of the sort at Carolina in quite a long time. And until I see some evidence that they can actually get this group of defensive linemen to play with any, anything approximating the kind of uh, abandon and, and just intensity that, that, that Collins is going to want from them. I'm going to have some, some questions about whether or not he really has all the pieces that he wants in that regard. But I do think there are some bodies that that Collins is going to step on campus and go, you know, I really like this Rucker guy. He fits a lot of what I want to do. And, you know, that Huzzy guy gives me some 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 help out there. And, and Marcus Allen is a nice piece to build around here. And, oh, man, you know, Travis Shaw, you know, if somebody can unlock what what he actually brings to the table physically, you know, it turns out there's some there's some actual talent here. I mean, Javari Ritzy, if if he if they can figure out how to get him to turn his body loose and actually use that power that he's got as a, you know, former thrower, all of a sudden you, you've got, you know, some pieces that you can feel really good about. And and it's just a matter of getting those guys to fully buy into the, you know, competing for who's going to show the most juice on each play to really do it. But I think they've got good personnel to be, you know, a decent defense, at least, not a bad defense next year under Collins. Uh, there are some holes though that that do have me concerned that you know it's not going to be maybe a top twenty-five defense in year one, but it could be. What? Uh, so let me ask this, Greg, about the staff itself. We talked about synergy and all that. Uh, Charlton Warren was announced as, as staying. Big Pen, Jason Jones were not mentioned in that. Ted Monachino is defensive line coach. Um, how does all this blend together? We've talked about that a lot. We've talked about how when it doesn't happen, what it looks like. So how how's it happen in Chapel Hill over these next two, three, two, three days, weeks ahead into spring practice? Well, I like the fact that you've got somebody like Charlton Warren. He's got the military background, kind of a, a tough guy. He's not necessarily a, a player's buddy, player's friend. Uh, and then you got Jeff Collins coming in, um, and and Jeff has a chip on his shoulder. He's very emotional, as we've laid out. That works both ways. You know, fans are going to love him at times, and if things aren't going well, uh, he he may not act in the way that that fans would like, and that's part of it. That got him in a little bit of trouble at Georgia Tech. So I like the the fact though, because Tommy Thigpen is very laid back. I mean, very laid back, and he's he's getting to the point now where he's really kind of a father figure for a lot of these guys, even though he's not, not much older than I am. Um, and so he, he can kind of take that role that, that Ted, uh, Tim Cross had. The one thing that I had highlighted the other day with Mac deciding to go with Monachino as defensive line coach, I really felt it was important to be able to get a defensive coordinator that was younger and that was capable of having success on the recruiting trail. Monachino, he's been an NFL guy for a long time. Last time he was on the recruiting trail was back in 05, I guess at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. A lot has changed on the recruiting trail. Terrell Suggs, actually, back in, you know, recruiting him. Yeah. So talking you know, 18, 19 years ago. So that's going to be a little bit of a tra- transition for him. But Collins comes in, and as Jason laid out, he had a lot of success uh, at Georgia Tech in, in bringing in guys, especially early. And, they just couldn't uh, keep them on campus. They kept transferring to the SEC. Right. So that's that's the part of it. But in terms of making an impact in a living room, 
I think he's shown that he's been able to do that. And with his SEC ties, understanding what all that takes, I think that was a, a critical component when you match the Monachino hire with Jeff Collins. So you kind of cover your bases there. Uh, and in terms of that, your question about Warren being announced and, and not, not Thigpen and Jones, I think it's really a fact that Warren came in with Gene. They were kind of a package deal. And Mac wanted to make sure that he was able to keep Charlton Warren uh, for his secondary. He apparently likes Charlton a lot and wanted to uh, give him a little bit of a promotion to, to keep him in-house. And uh, so I think it's a very unique-looking defensive staff room. I think it's the best one that Mac has had to date. And I, I think it's set for success. I think the only question is, the only potential problem is what Jason just laid out in terms of uh, I don't think the talent on hand, even the raw talent, is as good now as it was you know, maybe two years ago. Buck, uh, close us out here as we start circling around 700-plus folks. Folks, hit the like button too, by the way. If you if you don't mind, hit the YouTube like button. It helps us out there. Buck, sort of wrap us up here. Um, I like the hire. You know, I, I've, I've seen people talk about retread hires and, and how Mac, that's Mac's thing and all that, which, you know, pretty it's much everything. I was going to say pretty much every coach of any ilk has been fired, hired, and fired more than once. So they're all retreads, basically. And to Jason's point, even the best do it and does it quite well. But your I thoughts here that, to wrap us up. Uh, one coach, uh, and Steve Logan repeated this. I don't know that this is original quote or not, but he said there's two kinds of coaches, those that have been fired and those that are going to be fired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, start there. And there's a couple of things that uh, I'll try to cover quickly uh, that I don't care about, which is uh, Jeff Collins's uh, sartorial choices. If, if oh, that's, gosh. If that's uh, – if that's if that's uh, that may not be your cup of tea, but if that's your reason for not wanting him as a defensive coordinator, maybe you need to take up fashion designing as uh, you know as your hobby instead of football. Yeah, God only uh, knows what Ross is going to think of this hire as far as the sartorial stuff. <laughs> uh, actually, I got a pretty good idea of what he's going to think about the about that. I love a uh, I love a sleeveless hoodie. By the way, the thin kind; those things are strong. Um, the, Get us back on track, Greg. I mean, Buck. The, the other part is that a lot of people saw this, and it was a constant theme in the uh, seventy-two hours or whatever we had to talk about it. Is um, that uh, they should hire somebody uh, by giving them a great big bag of money and the promise of being the head coach in twenty twenty-five. No, no, no. <laughs> right. I mean, it, that was a crazy idea. And, uh, I, you know, I, I rebelled against it when I first saw it, but that didn't stop people from going there. And they, they thought that dangling the, the, the fact, well, you could be the head coach in 2025. Well, you know, if, uh, you know, frogs had wings, they wouldn't bump their derriere so much. I mean, <laughs> Uh, the fact that he could become head coach, how do you sell that? You know, hey, if you come in and, you know, you give up like zero yards for the entire year, maybe you'll be head coach. You know, uh, you know, I, I just never bought that and didn't think that was a real reason for uh, going after somebody is that, yeah, they could be the head coach and dangle that in front of them. They'll, we'll get everybody, we'll get Bill Belichick on the hook wanting to come in and be the D.C. Uh, There's a reason but, that, that, that those head coach and waiting jobs kind of disappeared. Never first, of all, out. first of all, the NCAA eliminated the, uh, the ability to recruit on the road as a head coaching head coach in waiting. Uh, so if you, if you did it formally, you lose, you lose a recruiter on the road. And then secondly, uh, if you paid attention, they were mostly a disaster when people tried them, even the Florida state one that, you know, was one of those early ones, yeah, Jimbo Fisher took over and succeeded and won a national championship, but they basically had to fire Bobby Bowden. Uh, There's a lot of heartburn you know, around that. 
yeah, that was not a that was not an easy transition situation. That that didn't really work out as planned either. So I mean, it's I I strongly advise against you know any sort of uh, head coach and waiting you know formal or informal suggestions at this point. So what's left, fellas, before we get out of here? We're in 48 minutes in, 700-plus folks in. Greg, you got anything final? Um, it's going to be interesting to see, what are we, January 5th, spring practice will start, March-ish. Um, ton of recruiting to do, ton of portal work to do um, going on now. How do you see the next six weeks or so, Greg, going into the spring? And, again, what are your expectations as far as how – smooth and seamless the transition can be given all the up people well i think having a guy like warren on staff who was intricately involved with what gene wanted to do and kind of help push gene forward in terms of modernizing his approach i think that's beneficial um and you just have to you know if those two hit it off um i think big can get along with anybody i think jones is kind of the same way so if i would assume it'll be a, a smooth transition We'll have to wait and see, but it's really a matter of you know, how how does Jeff want to switch things up in terminology, how kids study, all these different things, and that's got to be addressed quickly and got to be started in the spring. You know, Gene Gene talked about it taking really three years for his defense to fully be implemented. He's, he did that back in 2015, and then said it again when he was hired a couple years ago. Uh, I don't know that Jeff has that amount of time. And He's got a Jeff, year. Yeah. I don't, and I, I think he, he probably wants to do it quicker anyway. So I think it's going to be a little bit chaotic maybe for the guys because they've got a lot they have to learn. But if they can check those boxes along the way, and there's really no reason to think they can't, um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how the defense plays out because while they don't maybe have the, the depth as, as I think both – Buck and Jason have pointed out that maybe they've had in recent years. They've got some some older guys who have been around and played a lot of football. So in theory, they should be able to pick things up a little bit easier, and that should make for a for a seamless transition on the playing field for the players beyond just what the coaches have to go through this offseason. I agree, and for the sake of my position, I agree with everything you've said. All of y'all have said, and uh, it's been a uh, it's been a fun show, you know. Um, we laugh and joke about how there is no off season, but part of being on the inside Carolina is you're on the cutting edge of knowing what's going on, and you got Buck and Greg and Jason always available to put together a show like this at a moment's notice. And of course, everybody here, you guys have working and doing what you're doing with your life, and you've taken time to join us. If you missed this whole show, it'll be on the podcast feeds. It'll also be on the YouTube channel. Check it out. Hit up our sponsors. Hit the like button. And if you're not a member of the premium Inside Carolina message boards, you got to join up. It's worth every penny of the, what, 10 bucks a month, something like that. A lot of people spend that on a lot different stuff that's not as valuable as an Inside Carolina premium <laughs> subscription. Uh, but Jason, Greg, as always, appreciate it. North Carolina makes the hire. Jeff Collins, the new def defense coordinator. Stay tuned to Inside Carolina and Adam and Jeremiah and the whole crew. They'll bring it to you as it happens. Thanks, fellas.